0: so hey i'm jacob untreiner we're here for the second episode of on that note i am here with aaron spur who is the bass player in a band called paranova uh, which is a, a really cool how would you what genre would you say you guys are
1: um there's a few different ones it's either just alternative rock um, I like to say sophisticated dad rock on occasion, <laughs> and some people will call it prog rock. So it's there's definitely, more,
0: especially I mean, on the newer stuff that I was listening to, there is some some proggy. Yeah, elements,
1: yeah, it's I would just say. it's kind of a bit of everything, but
0: yeah. Cool. And um, along with being the bass player in that band, she is also in a variety of other bands in Arizona, doing backup vocals and bass playing gigs for singer songwriters, um, for other bands as well. She's pretty much all over the place. Um, And so today I was going to talk to her about a lot of her stuff that she does in Paranova and pick her brain about music. So where I'd like to start is with recent stuff. So when did um, Hyper Hollow, when did that come out again? That was was last year. Last year, okay.
1: July 7th, I believe.
0: Cool. Um, So I wanted to play a little excerpt from the song Dialect. Did that turn on? No. From the song Dialect and kind of hear how that part came about.
1: Semblance of my susceptibility. Going alive denial and
0: bigotry. So that's the verse part. Mm-hmm. Um, f- the first thing I noticed about it was that it's a really long phrase. It's like a whole eight-bar phrase that's repeated right. twice in the verse. Yeah. Did you when you first wrote it, were you thinking like I need something? that is longer here, a longer phrase, instead of just two or four bars, because you went eight.
1: You know, I mean, we, uh, I feel like we end up going with longer sections whenever given, like, the chance. And I, I don't think that it's, you know, it really wasn't necessitated lyrically, um, because, you know, we, we always write our music before our vocals. Okay. So, um, you know, we just really liked the vibe, and we wanted to give it some room to breathe, um, and, and, Initially it was just guitar and drums and then I kind of swooped in with the bass line and they were like, that's cool It's just like, let's just keep it rolling for a little bit and um, you know, we, we ended up having enough to say over that part So yes. we just kept it long,
0: yeah Cool, because like it's kind of like that slight, I'm sure I'm playing it a little bit wrong because I know there's some open st- <laughs> Is it in E-flat?
1: Um, yeah, we're in we're a okay. on half
0: um, Because I know there's some open string stuff, but um, You start off like the the first half of the riff is kind of like that more uh, Really like I mean, you're hitting a lot of the four because it's in six eight. You're hitting yeah. a lot of those like four, five, six transitions was yeah. that like kind of like you wanted it to breathe and move because there's like some slideier elements um, for the first half, and then a lot of like pickups into right. the into the one.
1: Well, I mean, to me, it's like I always like my goal. I think as a bassist is to like just fill in the gaps when necessary and like I think um, in this one Dylan our guitarist left like a lot of room Mm -hmm. for me to like just do whatever I wanted to do and so I wanted to give him really like the one to just you know strum his chord and then kind of like fill in the areas between that which is why I think I picked like four five and six to really like focus um, you know putting you know putting Relying on more notes, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. It was it was just kind of a natural reaction to what he had written already.
0: Cool. So he his guitar part came first.
1: He just he kind of came up with these chords. Honestly, he has like this really broad pedal board that um, you know just he comes up with these amazing tones, and um, you know then kind of drums come next naturally. And once they kind of have the environment of the song, then I kind of swoop in there and like you know just put a little bit of a low end in there pretty much so.
0: Got it. So do you feel at all like your role is to ground the sort of more spacey effects that he's kind of doing at all? Or is that a thought?
1: Well, you know, it's like, I think more so it's, we kind of switch off like, which one is the guitarist per se. You know what I mean? Like in this this case, I feel like he's just like laying down the foundation. And then uh, that gives me room to be like, showy and like to do some like, you know some little diddly's or whatever and you know so i think it's like there are times when i'm just really in pocket like in the background and then there are times when he does that so i think it's kind of this um just a bit of a, a juggling of the role of you know lead instrument at the
0: mm-hmm. time so that's a cool idea and is that like a conversation you guys have had consciously or is that just kind of something you guys have fallen it's, into it's
1: one of those things i mean when you've been playing with people for long enough like it's it's a subconscious understanding that you yeah. have like when someone sits back That's basically them giving you permission to move to the foreground and you know the th- vice versa, so
0: cool, and during the writing of that was that like I Mean, how how long did it take you to come up with that whole phrase because I think there's a pretty distinct mood shift when you go into the like
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean the I, when I'm like recording and I this is probably not the most efficient way but I just like I mean I, I keep looping the part and I keep playing different variations of like the first you know the first phrase that I did mm-hmm. so just like the that came that was like the first thing I did and then I think of like okay that's the second thing and then like we you know it just kind of goes by bar or by two bars. So um, I, I switch moods a lot, I think, like just because of that, mm-hmm. because I keep trying different things and like, you know, it one bar could be like completely different from the next, just because I want it to all like, you know, be different, I don't
0: know. It's, yeah, no, that, that was, and it's a really cool part. Is it influenced at all? Because I know you're a singer as well, but there's a very like singable melody to mm-hmm. that. Um, do you think it would have ended up different if you didn't have as much experience with singing
1: that's fair i mean i haven't really thought of that but you know i think so i think like what i I don't want to just like make a baseline to like show that i can play through a scale you Mm -hmm. know but like i I think i want to do it more so to even make some kind of hook that gets you know stuck in people's heads and um so i think yeah you know like the vocal um experience probably does contribute to that I guess
0: yeah because I definitely I what you said about it being a hook that kind of sticks with people there's definitely a like really strong memorable melodic quality to that line
1: well and like we are obsessed with nights just mm-hmm. like and ninth chords like just intervals so I just always like end up putting that in, in the bass lines and I think it just makes it sound a little bit like more special and, and more different you know because mm-hmm. I think. I used to often get stuck just in like the octave, you mm-hmm. know, but now that I'm thinking of like ninths, elevenths, thirteenths, like it just has expanded my ability to like write really, really well, I think.
0: So. Cool. And are you, so ninths over minor and major chords? Because I've always yeah. liked ninths over minor, but I I mean, I've never been on major
1: Honestly, chords. we're probably always in the minors game. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, like, but it's just kind of what we do, but I mean, Dylan initially brought a lot of ninth chords to the table and they always just seem to like sound good and be just a great, there, it's just a great amount of space in the chord, and I think mm-hmm. that's what we're going for, so,
0: yeah. Cool. Yeah, I always I always liked, um I mean, I'm a big fan of major sevenths, and so like... <laughs> she
1: got a t-shirt.
0: Well, I have one <laughs> the tattoo. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the interval of a ma- <laughs> major guess. seventh. But that's, um I don't know. it was like, I was like, I also like minor ninth chords, and then I realized the only reason I like minor ninth chords was because they have a major seventh in them. That's Like, fair. the interval between the third that and the ninth. Fair. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> So yeah. Actually, I just I just like the same thing, but I thought it was different.
1: Just a different
0: context, yeah. all the context. Um. All right. So then, going backwards in time. Cool. Um, I want to look at this tapping part from Ember. Oh uh, yes. That kind of like seven, that pattern of seven. the pattern <laughs> the of sevens. Embers. Sorry. The
1: plural. Embers. Yeah.
0: Good. Not just That's one like ember.
1: Really matter. <laughs> a single ember. <laughs>
0: That part, I spent a long time trying to figure out exactly how you're playing it. So it's I kind of came much up with... Easier.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so much easier. Don't what is right. it? Here, let me show you. It's oh literally, my gosh! Yeah, that's literally <laughs> it. Like, no, I get it. It's like... Yeah. It sounds like a lot more intense than it really is. It's literally just that. It was my first time like ever tapping. So I was just like, wow, like... I can, I mean, it's really
0: not that difficult though. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. It's, so was it, that part came up because it's sevens and <laughs> it's like set it's So it's 14, 16 notes. And then you're pausing to the start of the next bar. And is that like, was that intentional? Like I want to do something in seven specifically? Um, we have always been like fascinated by just different
1: time signatures and like just polyrhythms in general and whatnot. Um, Dylan was actually the one that came up with that, and he was okay. going to initially play that on guitar. But I really liked like the heftiness of kind of, you know, the playing it on the bass. Um, and like, you know, like I was saying before, he does like this atmospheric stuff. And I think that it just kind of I, like I wanted him to continue you know, doing the really cool background, like atmospheric stuff while I just did a little bit of that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was um, it, w- it was probably intentional because like whenever we write, like we just want to become better musicians and mm-hmm. like we kind of learned interesting things by, by doing that part and everything, so yeah.
0: Cool, um, and then, so it changes, the so it's, it's two bars and then it changed. what does it change to exactly? So it's literally just barring on
1: the 14th fret. Yeah. That's a so yeah, yeah
0: that's a, that's a lot easier than what I was trying yeah. to do. <laughs> and then I switched it to like, or I think was how I was well, ending the second I mean, one. it's
1: good. I'll it's, probably do that one from now on. It's the same notes. But it was just like I li- literally like that's the same in in dialect. There's a tapping part too, and I pretty much do like that same chord shape. Like yeah. So I mean, it's it's just my go-to. It's like easier, but like. It also, it just sounds a bit more like trebly and punchy, which is why I
0: like to like throw it in places. Cool. Speaking of the tapping part you mentioned on dialect, Mm -hmm. that's the part I want to kind of look at next, sure. More
1: of the same, just uh, slightly different.
0: Well, yeah, (laughs) different. So that's, I'm curious to see how you think of the similarities and the differences over time. So that first off, the progression is E major, F sharp major, E flat major. So how did because that's just a strange progression. That that was when I heard that part. That was what felt the most proggy about Mm everything that I had listened to. Um, So how did that progression come about?
1: Um, So again, it was Dylan came up with three chords. Um, We felt like at the at that point of like writing the album, we were lacking like a just go crazy musically section so Mm -hmm. we just wanted to um, and so just to like not to tie in like the whole concept of of the end of the album but um, the last three songs kind of have like a concept and at this point um, for this song um, it goes from uh, basically it's around this um, this man who has a great fear of the ocean and he ends up crashing into the ocean Um, and that's in our last song he like becomes part of the ocean and and you know overcomes his his fear by Mm -hmm. just like being pushed into it basically so like anyway long story short at this part in the song um like at the very end and then when we go into this this is basically his like he has just crashed and he is like now you know just kind of in the ocean just like floating basically so i mean this is kind of this was meant to be more of a like like a strangely major section, because okay. like he is now strangely just, re- I know, it's that's, like, But, but that's it's what like, it is, it's like, a terminology. Terminology. <laughs> major chords. But, I mean, it, it you know, it was meant to be a part where we, um, he starts to understand that, like, why was he afraid of this? This is like, you know, it's just this beautiful thing and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think this is kind of the overcoming that fear section, which is why we wanted to make it sound different than, than the rest of it.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No. I think that I think that it comes across as I, I mean I, I didn't know the concept behind it, but it definitely comes across as sort of this the part that it goes into when the saxophone comes in, which I didn't play in this excerpt, but there is a saxophone involved in that bridge section, and the the tapping and then Dylan's guitar tone kind of yeah. screaming in a in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel like a hurricane or right. like a maelstrom of sound. Yeah. So exactly. that effect is I think it was very well achieved.
1: Cool, thanks. Yeah, I mean, we, we love playing this part. This is like, if we have like a long enough set time live, we will make sure that we get to play the song because it's just like one of those like connections between us where we're able to like really feel like we are jamming, which mm-hmm. is like
0: a really cool thing to do. So Absolutely, could you play that part for me?
1: The tapping part? Yeah. Sure. yeah. So it's basically just like alternating. again, same <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, story. you are yeah. done <laughs>
0: I did get the power cord, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't doing this crazy <laughs> string skipping thing, um, but yeah, that part was really cool. And so, how when you hear that tapping part as compared to the tapping part on Embers, what are your like in terms of it's been you know two years between the time that you wrote that? What are your thoughts of like what's different, what's the same? Do you think?
1: Um, well, first of all, I think that it like sounds more natural in the context, and I think that um, you know maybe that last tapping part was like. Just a little bit forced, in my opinion. I just, um, you know, I think that this one makes more sense in context. It sounds more like floaty and bubbly here, which is like kind of what we're going for. Um, So I I like it in this context better, and I think that, um, you know, there was like a rationale behind it as as Mm -hmm. opposed to I want to try tapping, which I hadn't done before. You know what I mean? So it was like. Um, tapping was already in my wheelhouse and I can just like put it in, you know, whenever I
0: Musically, want. Musically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like that idea. And I mean, that's an interesting distinction between the rationale of a musical decision versus like a more technical decision. Right. That's kind of a cool idea. And I think
1: like earlier on when you're playing with new musicians, it's just, you know, you want to put everything in there possible mm-hmm. and just like see what works, you know? And so that's kind of where I was at with it.
0: One thing that I'm curious and there is like a video gamey quality to that kind of arpeggio sequence. Was that sort of thought Not about intentional, at
1: all? But we fully accept that.
0: <laughs> I <appreciate laughs> Not <intentional, but laughs> I mean we fully it's kinda accept. cool. It's
1: like it's supposed to be like a graphic section, like a very vivid section. So if like there's video game qualities then I think we did what we were looking to do, so
0: cool. That's I didn't know that this, there was a concept element to this album. What do you like what are what is the not the appeal, but what are the challenges you've encountered trying to translate something narrative into something musical?
1: Well,, um, it came pretty naturally, and that was what's surprising because we've tried to do concepts before, but like this is the first time that we really did, you know, anything successfully and like, or at least we feel successfully. And like we have always been, so incredibly inspired by like the Mars Volta, so D. Last in the Cromatorium and Francis the Mute, like those two albums are concept albums and like there are novels and forums like explaining the concepts behind it and like the intricacies and we were like our minds were blown, our, our little like prog hearts were like, you know, just, um, oh, we'd never heard anything like it. So we wanted to really just try something and like to make a story out of it because the lyrics came so much easier that way. You know, when we knew what what the story was to us, it was just like we got it. Like we know how to you know talk about it. So, um, but yeah, it's basically dialect and the last song, bathybic, which kind of cover the concept
0: most. Mm. So yeah, very cool. Ah, see there it is again. (laughs) And then the last question I like to ask as a sort of consistent kind of trademark, mostly because it's a question I get from students all the time, so I want that to be somewhat of a resource, is how and where do you use music theory to guide you in your writing?
1: So, um, you know, I've always been someone who's very, like, does it sound good? You Mm -hmm. know, like, I just, I want to know if it sounds good. But um, there is no way that, like, I would ever be able to get, like, Better than a certain point, if I didn't understand why something sounds good, and that's been a weakness of mine. I've been trying to like improve in music theory because after a while you get like stuck if mm-hmm. if you don't know the rationale behind it. So um, for all of us, you know what that's meant is basically you know playing a ninth chord and then thinking of not only like what that chord consists of, but the spaces between it and why those spaces work. And that's like that's something that theory covers that. Is so intriguing, and it really explains the magic behind music. Sometimes I think that um, you know, in a way that just listening to it wouldn't wouldn't cover. So um, you know, music theory is an awesome part of of music. It's a bit difficult because it's presented as like this big thing. Know your theory,
0: mm-hmm. but once you
1: actually do look into it, it's like a really really interesting method of understanding what you're playing. So. Awesome. Thank well, you. you. You did awesome. <laughs> awesome. You said awesome you said cool.
0: Progress.
1: Progress.
0: <laughs>